All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, you might need to bear with me a little bit. Uh, I've got a really stuffy nose and might need to be taking a few sips of water, um, so I might sound a little different to you, a little, a little nasally, um, but stick with me, okay? Uh, real quick, I, I do want to just say, uh, I, I also want to give a happy anniversary to my wonderful wife, Natasha, okay? And I, uh, I just kind of want to thank you guys. I feel like you have gone on this journey with us. I think uh, you seniors in the room, you were kind of around when Natasha and I first started dating, and then you guys were here when we got engaged. A lot of you were at our wedding, uh, and now, like, you guys are going to be a part of this new baby coming, and, like, I'm sure you guys are going to want to babysit and hold them, and you guys, we'll let you do all that. Um, but I want to I tell you just, I'm, I'm going to brag on her a little bit, because I, I truly think Tosh is the best partner uh, in ministry. Like, the chance that we get to do this together with you guys is just a real blessing. And I'm, I'm just telling you, she is, like, totally invested in this ministry and loves you guys deeply. Um, and I hope you guys know that. If you don't know Ratasha yet, I just, I think you want to get to know her. And you might want to meet her, because I think she's awesome. And I know a lot of you guys think that, too. Um, but I remember just thinking back like today and thinking back to our wedding day, and one of like the, the core wedding passages or verses that you hear maybe during a wedding are, are when, in, in Ephesians chapter 5, it's talking about wives and husbands and how they're supposed to treat each other. And um, one of the verses talks about how husbands are to love their wives so that you would present them blameless before God. In the same way that Jesus presents us as blameless before God, he presents his church before him. And it got me thinking, because it's actually very relatable to what we're talking about today, because we're going to kind of like look in to Jesus' prayer that he gives, that he prays before the Lord right before he's about to go to the cross. It's something called the high priestly prayer. Uh, Maybe you've heard of it before, maybe you haven't. But it's this like famous prayer that Jesus prays on behalf of everyone that might come to follow him. Everyone that might come to know God. Jesus prays on our behalf before God, before he goes to the cross. So we're going to be in John 17 today. And actually this this whole chapter kind of flows through the whole prayer. And we're going to be starting in the first part of this prayer today. So John chapter 17, we're going to be starting in verse 1. And this is known as the high priestly prayer. My, My Bible says the prayer of Jesus. And he's going to go before God, before he's about to go to the cross, and he's going to, be, he's going to pray on behalf of us. As followers of Jesus, he's going to pray on our behalf, and he's also going to pray for the whole world. And so we're going to look at the first five verses today of this prayer, and look at how Jesus begins this, and maybe we can learn something from this. So, John 17, starting in verse 1. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you've given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. Let's pray and ask God to speak to us through these five verses this morning. God, we know you're present and moving in this place today. And God, would you use these powerful words of Jesus 
to shape us, to change us. Help us to know how you've called us to live. God, help us to know Jesus more by how he prays for us and how he went on our behalf before God. God, we praise you for your son Jesus. And we ask that you would help us as we learn to just follow him better. And so God, would you speak to your students today? Would you change us this morning? And pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's look at how Jesus starts here with this prayer. He, he starts here in verse 1. He says this phrase, the hour has come. The hour has come. And that's what kind of kicks off this prayer from Jesus. Now, there's real significance actually to what Jesus is talking about here when he says the hour has come. Because up until this point of this passage, of this prayer, a common phrase from Jesus was, my time has not come yet. That's actually a phrase that Jesus says often throughout the book of John. So if you guys have been with us through this whole time, you've maybe heard Jesus say this a few times as we've gone through these passages. But like the first instance is when Jesus' mom comes up to Jesus and, and she tells him at this wedding party, she says, Jesus, we're out of wine. And Jesus turns to his mom and he says this, my time has not yet come. Okay. And then a little further down the road, Jesus' brothers They go to Jesus and they actually want him to come to this festival and they want Jesus to start performing all these miracles so that people might come to know who Jesus is. And he tells his brothers, it's not the right time. It's not time yet. And a little further past that, there's this instance where the leaders of the temple are trying to arrest Jesus, but the Bible says that no one laid a hand on him because his time had not yet come. So this is a phrase we see over and over in, this, in, in the book of John, that Jesus' time has not come. So what does this mean? It means that while Jesus did perform many miracles, the miracles that he did throughout the book of John weren't the ultimate purpose. It means while Jesus, yes, was going to become famous, it wasn't through miracles at a festival that was going to make him super famous. It means that nothing was going to stop Jesus from what he really came to do. So when Jesus says, the hour has come, my time is now, what does he mean? What he means is it's time for the cross. This is what it's all been leading to. Jesus' true purpose, his ultimate purpose for becoming present on earth, for coming to earth as a baby, living a life, is ultimately leading to the cross. And here's where the Bible combats any other belief system when it comes to Jesus. You'll find that most religions believe that Jesus was an actual person. They won't argue on that. But they'll say the real purpose of Jesus was to be a great teacher, maybe do some miracles, but really point to the true God. Well, that's not what Jesus says about himself in this passage here. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, my true purpose is to reveal myself as the Messiah, And because I'm the Messiah, I'm going to die and I'm going to resurrect, leading to our eternal life. That's very different from the picture of just being here to be a good teacher, to do some miracles and to point to God. No, Jesus is saying, no, I am God and I'm going to accomplish my real purpose. So everything is leading to this moment that Jesus is about to do. And this moment, the cross, the big, you know, giant event that that Jesus came for, it starts with prayer. Before Jesus goes and does what he ultimately came to do, he starts with prayer. And I just want to take a quick moment to just stop and consider that example from Jesus. Because guys, if you're not covering the big moments in your life with prayer, what are you doing? 
If the Son of God, all right, who's perfect and blameless, feels the need to pray before going to the cross, don't you think that we might need to take moments in our life to pray some more? To pray for the big moments? A lot of you guys are are thinking about college. Are you covering that in prayer right now on where you're going to school? Some of you guys, you know, you, you're on sports teams or, or you're in musicals coming up. Are you, are you praying before those events? Are you praying before games? Are you praying before shows? Those are big moments. You, some of you guys, you, you hang out with people that, that don't know Jesus. Are you praying before those times you go and hang out with them that God might open a door? Maybe, maybe not. But I'm here to tell you, if Jesus says, I, I need to pray before the cross, then maybe we need to start praying a little more in the big moments in our lives. right? So this prayer is often called the high priestly prayer. And, and, and this prayer is a prayer that's on behalf of everyone that would come to know Jesus. And, and here's this cool thing about our God. We have a God that prays for us. I don't know if you ever thought about that before, that that Jesus prayed for you. He interceded for you, which is like a kind of courtroom language for like when a, when a lawyer goes on behalf of their person they're representing to present them as innocent. That's what Jesus is doing in this prayer. It's an intercessory prayer. He's going on our behalf before God. Really, this is showing how deeply God loves you guys, how deeply he loves us, that, that Jesus would go on his behalf. So let's look at this prayer. How does Jesus begin a prayer for the world? How does Jesus begin this prayer that's going to lead to this monumentous moment? Well, how about talking about glory? Because Jesus actually talks a lot about glory in the first part of this prayer. Did you catch it? Did you catch this passage? He, he says things like, glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. Or he says, I've brought glory to you here on earth. Or Jesus says, bring, God, God, bring me into the glory. Bring me into this. So my question is, why would a prayer for you and for me begin with a petition for God's glory? Jesus prays that God in his glory might glorify Jesus. Now, what if I told you, what if I told you that God's ultimate purpose for you was to glorify him. And, and, and God's chief end, his ultimate goal for us, is to give him glory. Does that sit weird with you? Does that feel weird? That, does it sound a little selfish that God might have created us so that we might glorify him? I don't know. It's okay if that sits a little uncomfortable with you. Because at first it sounds really selfish that a prayer for us Jesus going on behalf starts with, God, give me glory. And I'm guessing that in a prayer for all of the world, it might seem strange for Jesus to be praying for himself to receive glory. But what if I told you that this is not weird? This is not selfish. This is actually, what if I told you, this is actually the most loving thing God can ask you to do is to give him glory. Now, you may not agree with that yet, but let's start with an understanding of what glory is. Let's talk about glory for a second. And to do that, I want to share a story that goes all the way back to the book of Exodus. All right, you guys know Moses. You've heard that name before. Maybe you haven't. But there's this story in Exodus 
All right, God is fed up with the people of God. They're not following him after he's just rescued them from Egypt. And so God tells his people, I'm not going to go with you anymore to the promised land. You guys are on your own. And when Moses hears that, he goes to God and he says, please, please don't leave us. I know they're being stupid, but don't leave us. I know, I, at least I know that we need you. And so God says, okay, Moses, I'll stay with you. But Moses is like, God, I, I need to know that you're with us. And so Moses says, God, show me your glory. He says, show me your glory. And so God says, okay, Moses, I'll show you my glory, but you can't handle my glory. <laughs> it's too big. It's too powerful. And so what he tells Moses, he, t- he says, Moses, I'm going to walk past you. All right, but what he does with Moses is he hides him in the crevice of the mountain or rocks, and he hides him so that Moses can't fully see God. And what God does is he covers Moses' face with his hand so that as God is walking past Moses, all Moses can hear is the name of the Lord Yahweh being proclaimed. And then the story says that as God walks past Moses, he removes his hand so that Moses can only see God from behind. He never gets to see God's face. All right, and so there's this incredible moment that, God, that Moses gets to see God's glory, but not fully. Now, how does God describe this glory that walks past Moses? He describes it in two ways. Number one, he describes his glory as his glorious presence. That God's glory means that he's present. He's with. So that's something to take into account. As we think about glorifying God, we think about God's presence. But what's interesting is the second way that God describes his glory is he describes, he says, Moses, all of my goodness is going to walk past you. In just a moment, when I show you my glory, all of my goodness is going to walk past you. And so God is so glorious and God is so good that Moses isn't allowed to look directly at him. Why? Because Moses, like you and I, is corrupted by sin. And God in all of his goodness and perfection and Moses in all of his sin and his brokenness, they don't go together. Goodness and perfection can't go with brokenness and imperfection. So what is this story that I share with you truly revealing about God? It's revealing that God's glory is his complete goodness. It's everything that our broken world and my sin is not. All of the sin, all the shame, all the brokenness, all the things that I do wrong, everything that that isn't is God's goodness. So here's the thing. When God created us to glorify him, Okay, when scripture says that God is a jealous God, wanting your complete devotion and praise and attention, he wants you, he yearns for you to glorify him. What is God really wanting from us? What God is wanting is for you guys to experience his true and complete goodness. He wants you to experience and rest in what is good and to glorify the one that wants to share this goodness with you. He doesn't want to keep his glory to himself. He doesn't want to keep his goodness to himself. He wants to share it with anyone that might come to know him and to worship him. But what's the issue here? We glorify all the wrong things. We glorify all the broken things. 
We glorify all the sinful things. We as human beings in a broken world, in a, in a world that's becoming more and more post-Christian here in this culture right now that you guys are in, we glorify all of the things corrupted by sin. You look at social media, you walk around your schools, you watch TV, you look at culture, and what do we glorify? I can name a few things that we glorify. We glorify sexual promiscuity. Right? We glorify these things, and we see that in what people post online. We, we, we see this in, in, things, in sites like pornography sites or OnlyFans. Right? We see this in any movie or TV show. Like Sex has to be a part of it. We glorify sex, but not glorifying sex in what it should be between a man and a woman in marriage forever. Right? We also glorify killing and we glorify violence. Right? We, we watch movies that's just super violent, that glorifies killing, that makes it look awesome. Right? Or, or we play video games that's all about killing. And I'm not here to, to, like, to shame you guys. I'm just saying this is what we raise up and say, oh, this is awesome. This is cool. Right? We glorify celebrity. We, we look at famous people, famous musicians, famous athletes, and we glorify them. We heap praise on them. But they're not perfect. They're broken people. We also glorify my feelings. We glorify my truth, which Scripture says is inherently broken and messed up. So you see, we glorify all the wrong things. And so God looks at the world and he sees his children, us, falling apart because we think we need to glorify all of these broken things. All the while, God knows if you might turn your attention to him, that you might glorify him in his complete goodness. You might experience what Jesus is going to be talking about for the rest of this prayer, which is good and which is eternal life. It's why we sing songs like what we're about to sing in just a few minutes, Jesus, you alone. We've sung this song a lot in here. But that song, let me, let me read a lyric to you that I don't know if it sits with you fully. It says, I've searched the world for a love that could fill my heart. Or in other words, I've heaped praise on all the things of the world that I thought could be good and bring me joy and completeness. But nothing compares to the wonder of who you are. Nothing compares to the glory of God and his complete goodness. And so we read that, we, we sing that lyric, I've searched the world for a love that could fill my heart, but nothing compares to the wonder of who you are. How do we follow that lyric? By heaping holiness on God and praise. We sing holy, holy to God. Because now we've got the right thing. We're glorifying the right thing. We're here in this room and we're singing praises to God and we're no longer glorifying the broken things of the world, but we're bringing glory to the right thing, the complete good thing. So guys, when, when God says, I've created you to glorify me, or Jesus says, bring me glory, what's, what's he getting at here? It's this loving statement of saying, I want you to experience my goodness that's going to come from everything in who Jesus is, and especially in what's going to come from the cross. And ultimately, this is what it's all about. Why might we give Jesus glory? Because if you look in verse 3, this is the, the gospel right here. This is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. So what's the prayer that Jesus intercedes for on your behalf 
What's the prayer that Jesus prays on your behalf before God? Why should you feel entirely loved by God today? Because your God wants you to experience eternal life in him. And that comes from when we don't glorify the broken, wrong things, but we glorify the complete good things, and that's God. And, and, and this is real life. This is eternal life that we're talking about that's separated from sin and brokenness. And it comes from this simple statement from this prayer, to know Jesus. To know Jesus. And this is not just to know him in mind, to know some fun facts about Jesus. This is to personally know him. This is an everyday relationship with him. A personal relationship with Jesus to truly know him that we might then experience goodness in eternal life. So here's my question for you this morning as we start this prayer. And we're, in the next couple of weeks we're going to be finishing off this prayer. But here's the question I want you guys to ask this morning. Who or what will you choose to glorify with your life? It's a simple question, but I want you to sit with that for a little bit. Who or what will you choose to glorify this week? Right? And, and this is how we glorify things is based on our actions, what we do. It's based on what we say, the words that we heap praises on. It's also based on our thoughts, what we think about daily. And, and some of us might need to change some things. We might need to change some of the things we watch. We might need to change some of the things we listen to. We might need to change some of the things we spend all of our time thinking about. Because we need to answer this question, who or what am I going to glorify this week? Am I going to glorify complete goodness or am I going to glorify sin and brokenness? Glorify the right thing. Here's the thing, guys. With Moses in this passage, he only got to see a glimpse of God. As, as God walks past him, he only got to see just a piece of God, not all of him in his glory. We have this hope now that one day we're going to see God face to face. But in this moment now, may, may we glorify the right thing, not the broken things, but the complete good things in God. And so right now we're going to go into a time of more worship and I just want you to think about that this morning. What am I glorifying? Who am I glorifying? Why am I standing here today and why am I heaping praise on God? I hope that you might know today that it's because I want to experience his goodness and his goodness and his perfection is worthy of my life and my praise. But before we get into worship, I want you to just take 20 seconds now and reflect, who or what will you choose to glorify this week?